Lord willing. If I heard that expression once off the lips of my granddad, I heard it a million times. It was just a part of his grammar. Any future tense verb had attached to it the phrase, Lord willing. It was built into the way he thought about everything that would come to pass in the future, whether it was something he was going to do or something somebody else was going to. If he was going to talk about something not present yet, something in the future, it came with the phrase, Lord willing. And never the G at the end, okay? Might as well say that. It was just part of his pattern of speech. And he wasn't the only one, of course. There are many people that uh, lived with that convention, that way of speaking about the future, that acknowledged that everything that we might say about the future should also be said with a word acknowledging God's sovereignty and God's power over everything. That to speak about the future with all, without also speaking about the will of God was almost some sort of blasphemy. So wrapped into every way that we talked about plans and what would come next was always that phrase, Lord willing. It's a way of speech that I think is important to the grammar of our faith. It may have gone out of fashion to attach that phrase to every little plan that we make, although I think there's something that could certainly be redeemed there. But there is a part of our speech, our grammars, our, our faith grammar, that needs to include that idea that everything that we know about the future, we have to hold as if it's provisional. Provisional is an important word. It is a word that means that I'm, I, I'm willing to recognize the lack of certainty that I can project onto what's going to come to pass in the future. And let me tell you, that has to be some of our faith, right? It has to be some of our just view of reality, some of our understanding about truth, the truth of our human situation. Because when it come, really comes down to it, there's not a lot about the future that we really know with certainty, is there? Look, I got some plans, okay? At the beginning of April, I'm going to go visit some friends for a long weekend. At the end of April, I'm going to go to a conference, okay, out in California. I'm going to go over to the Pepperdine Lectureship this year. Kelly and I are going to go there, hope and learn a lot of stuff, okay? At, at the end of the school year, okay, during the summer, we're going to plan on doing some stuff like where kids go into to impact with the youth group, okay? We're planning on going, on, uh, going to summer camp again this year out in hot, sweaty Arkansas in the, in the middle of the summer, I've got some if Carl. I've got some plans. And Lord willing, some of them probably happen like I think they will. But maybe not all of them. Almost the only thing that I know for certain is that in the end, God's will will be done and that His glory will be shown 
for all creation. In fact, some of the nuts and bolts of how that's going to happen, I'm not really even sure about. And I don't think Scripture is really all that uh, concerned about showing us a lot of certainty about how that's going to unfold in the last days. Okay? But I do think it has a pretty good mind to show us that all the things that are going to happen between now and then, we ought to hold provisionally. Because when it comes down to it, those things that we can really know with certainty about what's going to happen in the future, my, it's a short list, right? I mean, we were planning to have some soccer games this afternoon, but there was a bunch of rain last night. I don't know if you got the memo. In fact, we've had 10 games canceled in the last month. You know, you make a plan. Sure, we'll meet your team at 12.30 on this field and have a little 60 minutes of soccer. And then rain comes. Or you make a plan. Hey, in a month, we're going to go on this trip. We're going to have a good time. And then somebody gets sick. You make a plan. Somewhere in the future, I'm going to take this kind of career path and this will unfold. And then somebody else builds a better widget right before you do. Or somebody's budget gets cut and things change right when you thought they wouldn't. You know, almost all of us... That truth of the uncertainty of the future can resonate with us, doesn't it? Because we've seen all those little things that can uh, crop up in the middle that can change our plans in just a split second, right? Whether somebody gets sick or something happens, you know, some kind of circumstance invades or some unknown person comes into our life. Sometimes the turns of events are things that we can immediately perceive as good. Sometimes they're things that we perceive to be tragic. But you know what? There's all kinds of things that, that flood into our lives that we just don't expect, right? And in the end... Everything that we know about what's going to happen on this earth, we need to hold it provisionally to be able to say, that's what we think. Maybe it'll happen. There's this whole constellation of words that I think of in this, in this sort of phrase. You can put them up there if you want. Maybe, if, perhaps, who knows. You know, those may not sound like really Christian words to you. They may not sound like really faithful words in a, in a world that really prizes certainty much more than it prizes provisionality. Even, uh, of course, certainty is, is prized in the way that we plan for our, our life and our, our financial lives, our career lives, and all those sorts of things in the world where it's really easy to look down on somebody that doesn't have a good plan work together. But not only that, but certainty is prized in our uh, faith life too right now. Listen, it's not real easy to, get, to become a very well-known preacher man if you tend to use the word maybe a lot. The word perhaps doesn't sound like a word that contains the sort of faith certainty that people sort 
of crave. People want sure answers, black and white decisions. Easy, very clear. And yet, whenever we look into what the future holds, maybe, if, perhaps, who knows, I think those are unavoidable words in our faith grammar. And we actually find them more often than we think we do. I'm thinking about David's experience. You guys remember as we read the story of David last fall, and we got to that place where after his sin with Bathsheba, they've had a child, and he is, uh, he's received this word and, he, and that the, the child is going to die, and David begins this fast. And then he, he says in the middle of it, you remember he's confronted, and his, his people are saying, why, why have you, after, after he dies, right? After the child dies, David like goes and has dinner. And they say, why were you acting like that? You're acting crazy. You know, you're supposed to grieve. You're, we thought you were going to be grieving, you know, you were, while the child was still alive. And he said, look, I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord would change his mind and that would, the child would live. Now, might as well just go ahead and eat this dinner. Or maybe think about the story of Esther. You remember how uh, in that famous part of, of Esther's story when she's, uh, her, her uncle Mordecai comes for, to her for help, right? And, uh, and he says to her, and uh, this is Esther chapter 4 and verse 14, he, he reminds her that she might have, might have her power, uh, might have that royal position, that she might have come to that for such a time as this, Right? You know that phrase, such a time as this? That's the last part, but you know what the first part of that sentence is? Who knows? Maybe you have come to this position for such a time as this. Who knows? Maybe. If. Perhaps. All the way into those Plans that the apostles make in the book of Acts. And there's so many times when they seem to make a plan about where they're going to go on the next journey or whatnot. And sure enough, they're just right when they least expected the Spirit will whirl them into some other place. Right? Even the prophecies that they receive seem to be given to them in a cloud where they kind of understand what they mean, but maybe not necessarily perceive with clarity exactly what's going to happen. And so they learn to walk, trusting the Lord, certain that the Lord is with them, certain that the Lord loves them and that is at work in their lives, beginning to become more and more comfortable with the things that they can't hold with certainty. All those things that they have to hold instead provisionally saying, who knows, maybe, perhaps. As much as we crave a faith life that is built in the black and white, that is built on lines of certainty, and there are things that we may hold with certainty, the love of God, God's will for us to do right, the, the eventual justification God's world, right? There's some things that we can know with certainty, but there are many things in the meantime that we would be more faithful if we held them provisionally. If we held them with a if. 
if we held them with a Lord willing. It's not that in this text, and our text is in James chapter 4, and he says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you not even know what, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that will appear for a little while and then vanish. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And that text, it's, it's not as though to say we shouldn't make plans, right? Even in his correction, you notice at the end of it, he says, you should say, if it is the Lord's will, and then he goes on to kind of include the plans. We will live and do this or that, right? The plan is still there. The plan is still there. It, the plan has to be there. I, I want you to understand um, in this sermon, I'm not saying we shouldn't make plans. I'm not just clearing the calendar for the rest of the year and say, well, you know, who knows? Something will happen, right? Okay. Because one of the, the values that I think we have to kind of hold in tension here is responsibility, right? And it is responsible for us. It is good stewardship for us to make plans and to think and to think strategically about what we're going to do next, Right? It's important for us to be good stewards of what God has given us that we learn to plan and to plan well. That we learn to think about what is the best way to make use of the opportunities that have come our way. What is the best way for us to make use of the gifts we have to serve the Lord in whatever capacities we can find? After all, doesn't Jesus also tell stories about people who were given great gifts and out of fear decided to bury them because they weren't sure what would happen in the future? Doesn't Jesus tell a parable, even though it's more prophetic than just uh, wisdom, but doesn't Jesus tell a parable about some people that were supposed to show up at a wedding and they just didn't pack enough oil for the whole night long, right? The Lord gives us great gifts. And the Lord desires for us to be responsible with them, to practice good stewardship. And that means that we practice responsibility. And we, and we do the best at planning out things as well as we can. The thing is, I think we just understand that value culturally. The value that we have to hold in tension with it is the one that is countercultural to us. And that is humility. See, the rest of the world believes in responsibility. The rest of the world believes that you should make plans and that you should do, make the most of every opportunity that comes your way and that you should you know, make a, practice something like good stewardship in the way that you use the things that are given to you. Everybody really kind of believes that. After all, it's highly profitable. Why wouldn't they believe it? But the part that not everybody believes in is humility. And that's what James has kind of been giving to us all along. We think about the particular wisdom that James offers, and James is, I think, a book that offers us lots of wisdom. It is always wisdom characterized by humility. A wisdom that can acknowledge when it's not really sufficient for the day, and so it is not afraid to ask Help. It's a wisdom that doesn't expect to be placed at the head of the table, but instead is willing to 
recognize that everyone, no matter their income or the way that they dress, deserves a seat at God's table. It's wisdom that is willing to lay down its own desires because it recognizes the needs of the rest of the community. And so it doesn't expend its energy in coveting and envying and trying to grasp whatever it can take from anybody else as though it lays more claim to it than anybody else does. Rather, it's a wisdom that possesses humility. It's a wisdom that says, even though we may have some plans for the future, they're all provisional before God. And even though I've got an idea about what I want to do tomorrow, I understand that I really need to say, the Lord willing, it'll come about. Or maybe not. And it's right in the middle of these two values. Responsibility and humility. And being able to hold these two things together that I think James in this particular wisdom are calling us to walk. So we make plans, but we say we will do this if it is the Lord's will. We think about the opportunities that we intend to take and to seize, but we also are ready if our plans need to change and we're willing to accept a new circumstance. (coughs) See, this kind of ability to say, I'm going to do the best with what I'm given, but I also recognize, first of all, that it's a gift. Secondly, everything could change in an instant. The ability to say, I have an eye to the future, but I recognize with the humility that I have very little certainty projected for the future. It's that responsibility and humility, living together that we can hold, that we hold our faith in, that we live in our faith. There's a phrase that's stuck with me for years from something that, um, from a sermon from Randy Harris. And, uh, I remember Randy talking about what it means to kind of do well with our work and to do well with our, do, to be responsible with our possessions and all that stuff. And then he said, but the real key for all that stuff, we, we certainly were faithful with our tasks. We're certainly faithful with, with what we've given. We, we, you know, we enjoy the things of life. We enjoy, you know, our, everything from our relationships to the things that, uh, the possessions that we, we have for a little while. But he said this, important thing is to hold it lightly. Randy talked about all kinds of things that have to be held lightly. And I really think that that phrase echoes in my mind all the time. I really think it's right at the heart of what James is trying to offer us. Understanding that we have received gifts that we use for the Lord. That we enjoy because they are gifts from the Lord. But they're not things to be grasped, squeezed, clenched. They have to be held lightly. All of my plans, all the things that I hope to do and I hope to enjoy, I hope to accomplish, they all have to be held lightly. 
So go ahead. Fill up that calendar. Put some stuff about what you're going to do next month to enjoy your family. Put some stuff on there about what you're going to do to advance your career. Go ahead and put some stuff in that calendar about the way you're going to enjoy some of the gifts that God has placed before you. But hold it lightly. Lord willing, they may come to pass. Let's pray together. Oh God, we know very little about what will come to be in the future, in the ins and outs, all the little things about our lives. But we know with certainty that you are the Lord of the future, that you are the King before whom every knee will bow. Looking to the day when every knee bows before you, O oh God, we bow our knees before you now and say that in humility that you are the only true God. You are the only true King. Everything we have comes from you and belongs to you. Everything that we are or will ever be, we submit before you. Let us be good stewards of what we possess. And let us hold them with humility. Hold it lightly so that your name may be honored. And that the things that we hope for may become more clear with sight. So that your name may be honored among us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen there is some way that we need to pray for you today or something you need to share in confession before the church or if you want to become a part of uh, God's people we certainly welcome to do that while we stand and sing together <laughs>